John chapter 15, verse number 16. Let's read that one verse all together. Ready? Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And whatsoever ye shall ask of me in the Father's name, he may give it you. I really butchered that. And whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it unto you. Uh, ye have not chosen me, this is Jesus speaking, but I have chosen you. Okay, he chose us. And what? Ordained you. For what? That you would bring forth fruit, and your fruit should remain. Uh, let's uh, listen tonight with a good open heart. Let's pray here. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you would uh, bless the message and that it would be uh, helpful, it would be challenging, and that we all as your people would uh, learn to commit ourselves uh, this next year to the greatest cause of, uh, that has ever been given to mankind. I pray that we listen with an open heart tonight and a humble heart in Jesus' name. Amen. It's not just about the manger where the baby lay. It's not all about the angels who sang for him that day. It's not all about the shepherd or the bright and morning star. It's not all about the wise men who traveled from afar. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. It's not just about the good things in this life I've done. It's not just about the treasures or the trophies that I've won. It's not all about the righteousness that I find within. It's all about the precious blood that saved me from my sin. It's about the cross, it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. The beginning of the story is wonderful and great, but it's the ending that can save you, and that's why we celebrate. It's about the cross, it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about God's love. 
down to a tree it's about how every drop of blood that flowed from him when it should have been me it's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and i could have real life someday so that you and i could have real life someday it's about the cross it's about the cross that's for sure let's pray here father i pray tonight that you would uh help us as we open the word of god here and and we look at this great matter of soul winning we pray lord that you'd use it tonight in jesus name amen I see a, a great problem at Aurora Baptist Church that we have here, and I would like to see this rectified in 2020. A great problem we have here is a lack of soul winning, a lack of caring about souls or being soul winners. There's many people that I know uh, dozens and even, I'm sure, no doubt, scores and possibly even hundreds, if I put my mind really to it, that at one time, they were on fire for God. At one time, people, I, people I've known uh, in this church, people I've known from uh, the church where I got saved at in Fairbanks, church from where I went to, to college at, other churches, and uh, see y'all later. Um uh, this is a bad subject, I guess. Uh, but a... Uh, okay. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's take a moment and pray right now. All right. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that uh, whatever's going on with Caitlin and her, and her, uh, her body, that you would um, help her and touch her body and give the doctors wisdom. There uh, must be something significant uh, to leave in a rush like that, and I know, I know Caitlin, and uh, that's uh, not something that she would do on her own, so Lord, I pray that you'd help her um, uh, through this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, but many people who are on fire for God, I'm talking about they were maybe in the bus ministry, or they were uh, soul winning faithfully, faithful in church, living for God, excited about the things of God, hungry for the things of God. Every time the doors were open, they were there. Uh, every time, I mean, every ministry, uh, boy, I mean, if there was a ministry, they wanted to be involved in it, and they were excited. And then little by little, eventually, they're no longer serving God. I know of, uh, I know of deacons uh, in uh, the church in Fairbanks. Uh, that uh, don't even go to church today. And when I got saved, they were on fire for God and bus ministry, Sunday school, soul one, just a, a, a great uh, example of a godly type of Christian and serving the Lord. Uh, many of these people will not even go to church anymore. And I look at that, and, uh, and, and, uh, and here's the thing, is there's many people that are here now that in 10 years from now, you'll be there also. Because you're on the same path. If you don't want to go to Seward, then don't get on the Seward Highway. And some of you are on the Seward Highway. You're on, you're on the failure highway. And if you're not careful, you're going to end up with these folks. Where they, they never dreamed that they would uh, end up falling away from God. And yet, <clears throat> they did. 
And uh, many here, if we're not careful, listen carefully, will be on that same path and fall away the same way. I'm talking tonight to everybody, um, but I'm talking a lot of, a, a lot of I, I, would like for, I would like for Josue to listen tonight, and Juan, and Michael, and Devin, um, uh, 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 Troy, Matthew, Brother Dickerson, Miss Lily, Maria, Apollonio, every, uh, Seth, uh, everybody. I want everybody to listen well tonight because this affects you. This affects each and every one of us. It begins with the soul-winning passion dissipating. It begins when our soul-winning fervor goes away. Currently, um, I mean, it fluctuates. Uh, uh, we'll have eight, 18 or 20 going out soul-winning. And then for about two or three weeks, we'll have about 10. And uh, then we'll maybe jump up to 18 or 20, and then we'll drop down to 6, and then we'll jump up to 12. And, but it averages out to about, say, about 10 people going out soul winning right now on a Saturday morning. That is unacceptable. I think in God's eyes, that's unacceptable. I think the most important service that we have is not Sunday morning. It's not Sunday night. It's not Wednesday night. The most important church service we have is Saturday morning when we go and take the gospel out. Um, it's not right, and 90% of those who don't go soul winning have no relevant, decent excuse. You're not at work. You're not on a job that, and you have to go and to take care of your family. You weren't at the hospital. Uh, you just aren't being a part. I'm not talking about, and for some reason, some of us have gotten the idea that, oh, Saturday morning's just for those bus captains or bus workers. They show up and go visit their bus route. No, it's not. Uh, that's not what it's for. It's for everybody in the church to go out soul winning. We should have at least 30 people right now going out every single week, going out actively winning people to Christ. Aurora Baptist Church has something that a lot of other churches don't have. Uh, it, it, it's sad to me. It's sad at, at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, you, I dare say, I don't know for sure, but I would dare say Christmas Day. You go by some of your Catholic churches and they're going to go at 8 o'clock in the morning. They're going to be jam-packed. Jam-packed. With communion. You go by some of these churches early in the morning, packed out. And they don't even have a gospel. They're there to take a communion. They're there to put, do some religious deed. And they don't even have the truth. You go by the, uh, uh, the, the, these uh, um, uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses churches in town. Beautiful buildings. Beautiful uh, 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 parking lots. And, and packed out. And they don't even have the truth. You go by some of the Mormon churches in town, packed, packed out. And they don't even have the truth. And there's a lot, listen, a lot of Christian churches, non-denominational churches you go to, and they'll have a full parking lot, and they're packed out, and many of them don't even have the truth. There's one here in town, uh, 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 one of the very large churches in town that I talked to the pastor one time for almost 45 minutes. 
I talked to the pastor and I did everything. And I mean, I asked him over and over and over how I could go to heaven when I die. I've asked him, and, and he beat around the bush, and he twisted it, and he hit around, and I asked him point blank, I'm saying, can you please just tell me what will I need to do to go to heaven? And the pastor of the church could not even tell me how to be saved. I'm saying, a Warren Baptist church, we have something that a lot of other churches don't have. We got the truth. But the truth, having the seed left in the barn, does no good. The truth that is hidden, does no good. The light covered with a bushel does no good. It does not matter how much truth we have. It does not matter how much of the gospel we know if we're not willing to tell somebody and share that gospel. I'm saying in 2020, we got to have some changes. In 2020, we've got, to this, we've got to pick it up as a church and realize that we have the answer to all eternity in our hands. Let's not hide it from a lost world. 2020, a couple things. First of all, the, uh, the, uh, uh, we're going to go back. We used to do soul winning from 10 to 12, and then we had a bus meeting, at, uh, I think, at 1 o'clock. And we met somewhere with all the bus workers and bus captains, and then they did their bus route. But first, we went soul winning. And so we're going to go back to that here in 2020. At 10 o'clock Saturday morning, for two hours, we're going soul winning. We're knocking doors, passing out tracks, visiting. We're not going to go visit our bus route. We're going to go and visit new people, knock on new doors, and try to get people saved. Then we'll have a bus meeting after that for the bus ministry and go do our bus routes. Next of all is we're going to start meeting back at the church Saturday morning instead of McDonald's. I think we got too casual. I was told some people came to me and thought that was a good idea. And that if we met there, and they thought that they, they said they would definitely be going soul winning then, and, and they would, uh, and other people would show up. And so I moved it to McDonald's, and uh, well, nobody else showed up. Tenants went down, same as always, no big deal. Uh, I think all it is made it more casual. We're going to start meeting back here at the church at 10 o'clock. You know what I want to do? What I want to do. I want to do prayer meeting again. I want to do that. The problem is I got tired of praying by myself. I mean, we, we, we started doing a Saturday morning prayer meeting. This started off great. We had 25, 30 people. Then it came down about 25. Then it went down about 20. Then it went down to about 15. Then it went down to about 10. Then it went down to 5. And then I said, why am I getting here early? I'm saying that, that uh, we, uh, we, we need to get busy here and, uh, and, and make the main thing the main thing once again. Um, there's two main things we're missing at Aurora Baptist Church. Now, there's two main things we're missing. Number one, we're missing a good soul winning fervor. And number two, we're missing a good bus ministry fervor. Those are two things I'd like to see changed in 2020. And I, I, I want to see, and I'm going to talk more about that in January, about the bus ministry. Now, listen carefully tonight. There's a difference between going soul winning and being a soul winner. There's a difference between going soul winning and being a soul winner. Soul winning is when you set apart a time that you go and witness. That's going soul winning. So maybe a Saturday morning at from 10 to 12, we're going soul winning. We're going to set that time apart and we're going to go and witness to people. Um, a witness is, is not just somebody who personally experienced it. Uh, a, a witness is not somebody who just saw something. 
You're not a witness unless you're willing to talk about what you saw. You're not a witness until you're willing to talk about what you experienced. They call a witness to a, a courtroom and you call a witness to the stand. He's not a witness if he doesn't speak. And you and I, just because we're saved, we're not a witness if we're not willing to speak. If we're not willing to tell somebody, we're not a witness. Now, a soul to go soul winning is a time you're set apart to go and witness to somebody. To be a soul winner is somebody who is on the job 24 hours a day winning people to Christ. 24 hours a day looking for a time to win somebody. Here's the difference. It's the difference between a babysitter versus a mother. A babysitter versus a mother. The babysitter goes and babysits for a little while. A mother is on the job 24 hours a day. It's the difference between fixing your car or being a mechanic. See, somebody, we can all go fix a car. Something needs to get fixed, we'll go down there and find a way to work on it and get it fixed. But that does not mean that you're a mechanic. A mechanic is always working on the vehicles. Always looking for a time to work in a way to work on the vehicles. Jesus did not go soul winning. Jesus was a soul winner. The disciples did not go soul winning. The disciples were soul winners. They didn't just go out and say, oh my, it's the Sabbath day. We better go out and talk to people about Jesus for an hour and a half. No, everywhere they went, all day, every day, all night, every night, what were they doing? They were being a soul winner. They were constantly spreading the gospel and constantly sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, we should be soul winners who go soul winning. Does that make sense? Be soul winners who go soul winning. Now, herein is the struggle. Listen carefully. Here's what happens. We're not soul winners. So we're not out fervently looking because we have it on our heart all the time. we got a burden for the lost. We're not always looking to witness to somebody. We're not always. That's not the number one thing on our mind. The number one thing on our mind is TV, our phones, our social media. That's why we're ineffective. The number one thing on the Christian's mind ought to be Jesus Christ. Sharing the gospel. Who can I tell somebody? I've got to find somebody to tell them about Jesus Christ. So what happens is we're not soul winners and we don't have it on our mind 24 hours a day. So what happens is it comes down to go soul winning and it's a burden. It's a problem. It's a, it's okay. Uh, it becomes a chore. The babysitter looks at his wa at her watch and goes, oh, no. Oh, no, I got to go to work at 2 o'clock and babysit for three hours. So she goes to work and she sits there and she babysits and she does the bare minimum, puts on a television show for the kids, opens a can of uh, SpaghettiOs for them and, and does her business and collects her little bit of money and goes home. The mother doesn't do that. See, for the mom, it's on her mind 24 hours a day. For the mom, she's always, I'm always a mom, and she's always a thinking about it, and it's not a burden to be the mom because that's her passion. And for the soul winner, when it comes down for the a time to go soul winning, for the soul winner, it's not a burden. It's a time to exercise what I want to do and what I am. But for the person that is not a soul winner and does not think about those things, 
then for him to have to go Saturday morning for two hours becomes a headache and a burden and a clock in and a clock out. Do my bare minimum. Let's drive around the neighborhood for 45 minutes and look for a place to go. Let's knock on a few doors then go to McDonald's and get a burger. That type of thing. Because they're not soul winners. They're simply putting in their time to go soul winning. A Christian ought to be a soul winner. That means that when you when you see somebody standing outside waiting for the bus, your first thought ought to be, hey, I wonder if they're saved. I bet I could pull over and give them a gospel track. Hey, I'm a few minutes early for work. Let me whoop over real quick and, and jump out of my car and go give them a track and talk to them for a minute. That's a soul winner. Uh, a soul winner, he gets in the elevator with somebody uh, in, in, a, in a building, and when he gets in the elevator, he doesn't just sit there and say, boy, this is awkward, just me and you in the elevator, hope nobody passes gas, because we're going to know who it was, and, uh, and we sit there, that dead silent, we stare at the floor, and we wait very patiently for that ever-long ride before we hear, ding, and you're at your floor, and you can get off. No, for the soul winner, he gets on, and says, ha captive audience, I got 30 seconds. And, uh, and pull out a track and say, hey, let me give this to you. Invite you to our church. And, and uh, that's what the soul winner does. The soul winner, he's standing in line at the grocery store and thinks, man, this is a great opportunity. I need to strike up a conversation with this person. Where's a good inroad? What can I, uh, oh man, they just dropped something. Let me pick it up for them. That'll open the door. Or And they're looking for an opportunity to share the gospel with that person. It's uh, the uh, uh, the soul winner sees somebody hitchhiking and stops and picks them up. Now I don't think you should do that really these days. I don't know if I'd recommend that. Um, when I got saved, I picked up every hitchhiker every time. I always picked them up because I, man, I, I pick them up. I'm a winner of Christ. If they want to ride, they're going to get saved. Uh, that's all I saw. I'll kick them out. And uh, don't, I don't think you should pick up hitchhikers these days. Really, I don't. I, that might not be a wise thing to do. Um, a telemarketer calls you. If it's a real person and not a, not a machine, which is rare these days, uh, uh, they call you. The soul winner says, how can I get the gospel to them? Somebody calls you up and it's a wrong number. Hey, there's no wrong number. There's no such thing. Do you think that by accident they called a Christian? No. Man, on purpose, God orchestrated that. Talk to him. Talk to him. The soul winner, he takes a co-worker out to lunch with the sole purpose of getting him saved. The soul winner will visit a Sunday school class to make sure that they all got saved. I'm saying when we're a soul winner, we're going to be looking all the time for that opportunity. And what I do not see at a Royal Baptist Church is that type of fervor. Let me embarrass three people tonight. I did not ask their permission, but I'm going to embarrass them anyway. We have, we have um, Mariah, we have Sonia, and we have... Janae. Janae, look up here. Janae, is she sleeping? Look up here. So today is Janae's very first time at Aurora Baptist Church. Her came with Maori. It's her first day. Sonia's been coming for, I don't know, what, a year or so? Maybe more? Mariah's been coming for a good year or so or more. So today, before the choir was practicing... Uh, I got talking to him a little bit, and uh, I found out this was Janae's first Sunday. And I said, well, I said, Janae, it's your first Sunday. Let me ask you a question. I mean, do you know you're saved? Do you know you're going to heaven? And, and I started talking. First, I, I asked her if she filled fill out a visitor's card. She said no, and she wasn't in the database because whoever brought her didn't turn out a permission form, I guess, because she wasn't in the database. But anyway, uh, 
So uh, and uh, so I started getting information. Okay, what's your name and your birth date? And putting her putting her information down, and uh, so you have a copy of that. And uh, and uh, and I'd asked her if she if she knew she was going to heaven. She died. And then all of a sudden, Mariah interrupted me. And Mariah said, "Well, how come?" Of course, Mariah is very annoying as it is. But she said, "How come you didn't ask me all these questions when you came?" When I came, and I said, I don't know. I've already had your information in the database, I guess. And she goes, well, how come you don't ask me if I'm saved? I said, well, do you know you're saved? When did you get saved? She said, I didn't. Are you listening to the problem? I said, well, why didn't you get saved? She goes, I don't know. I'm just scared. I then said to Sonia, I said, Sonia, let me ask you. Do you know that you're going to heaven and you die? Or do you know you're saved? She said, I don't know. I said, have any of you girls been baptized here? They said, no. You've been saved? No. And I thought, you know what? That is the problem. I'm not trying to be mean tonight. But Mrs. Zelia came to church for several months and joined the choir, even, before anybody asked her if she were saved. That's not a church full of soul-winning people or soul-winners who are looking for an opportunity to witness to somebody. We are no different than the Catholic Church. If people can come in here and go through our religious ritual and leave on their way to hell just like they would go into a Catholic church and go through their religious ritual and leave on their way to hell. We have a problem with that. Why? Listen, because we're not soul winners. We're not looking for every opportunity. We're not asking those kids when they come on the bus and before they leave that bus says, Every child on that bus have an opportunity to get saved. Are we asking visitors when they come to church, when I have visitors stand, for, I had them stand for several reasons. One of those reasons is so soul winners can see the visitors and know who to go talk to at the invitation. Lest they leave this place on their way to hell. If somebody is a visitor and the invitation comes, and as soon as the invitation comes, they turn and they bolt out the back door, you ushers ought to be the first ones down the stairs to grab them. They might be leaving because they're under conviction. They might be leaving because they're nervous and they got to get out of here because they feel like the walls are coming in and, and they're not sure. You know what it's like to be under conviction. Well, go out there and meet them downstairs. Hey, before you go, thanks for coming. Let me ask you a question. Do you know you're saved? Do you know you're on your way to heaven? The reason why we just let them go and wave as they go out the parking lot is because we're not soul winners. We're not soul winners. Take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And look at verse number 28. saying, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? Talking about Jesus' name. Now look at the next line. He said, and behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine 
and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Yep, that's right, we sure do. They filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. Let me ask you something. Have we filled Anchorage with our doctrine? Have we filled Anchorage with the gospel? Have we done our job as a church and taken the gospel and filled Anchorage with the gospel, intending to bring his blood on all of them? <laughs> That's what I intend to do. I go talk to somebody, I intend to get the blood of Jesus Christ on them. Some of you, some of you look bored sick tonight. Um, uh, 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 God... I don't believe that God ever dreamed in his wildest imaginations that anybody would ever go to hell. I mean, really, who would choose hell? Who would choose hell over heaven? And not only that, but God gave us the perfect plan that all we have to do is just be a witness in our daily routines. That's it. It's real simple. I got saved. I received Christ. I'm a Christian. Man, that's great. I can't believe I'm saved. So I go home and say, hey, guess what? I tell my brother, I got saved. And I tell him how to get saved. He gets excited. does the same thing. I go to work the next day, and I get to work, and I'm talking with a co-worker. I say, guess what? I got saved just yet. Let me tell you about it. He gets saved. And then I go to stop at the grocery store on the way home from work, and I'm talking to the cashier and say, guess what? I got saved yesterday. Let me tell you about it. And they get saved. Because if we were all soul winners, everywhere we went, we'd be looking for that opportunity and just tell everybody what happened to me. And God never dreamed anybody. Why would anybody go to hell when he has the perfect plan? If right now, if just the people who are Christians, true born-again Christians in the world today, if every one of those Christians in the world today would win one person to Christ in 2020 and train that person to win one person to Christ, and then in 2021, they both went out and they both did the same thing. Do you know in less than 20 years, the entire world would be saved in serving God? But currently, we're not doing that. Um, see, when we just want to be a, when we're a witness 24 hours a day, everywhere we go, looking for all those opportunities, and it becomes our daily routine, then we're being just like a mother. A mother goes to work, but while she's at work, she's still a mother. And the kid calls, she's answering the phone. She's worried about her, her kids at home and, and, and if they're sick or not. And, and she's thinking about what they're going to have for dinner. And, and she's still a mom all the time. And when she goes to the grocery store, she's, st she's still a mom. And when she's cleaning, she's a mom. And when she's at church, she's a mom. And when she's at the hockey game, she's a mom. Why? Because that's what she is. 24 hours a day, everywhere she goes, the number one priority is she's a mom. Yes, I may have to do laundry, but my, kid, but my number one priority is I'm a mom. And see, as us, yes, we have to go to work, but number one, we're a soul winner. 
And we have to go to, we may have to go to the grocery store, but we're a soul winner. And we may have to stop at the bank, but we're a soul winner. And we may have to go to uh, take the dog for a walk, but we're a soul winner. And so everything we do, the number one thing in our mind is not Saturday morning is coming. I'm dreading it. I've got to find an excuse to get out of it. I don't want to go. It's such a chore. That's a babysitter. A soul winner says, man, today I'm walking the dog. I hope I find somebody to give the gospel to. Because that's what he does 24 hours a day. Now, occasionally, the mom is 100% mom. That's all she's doing. Okay? So, she may be at work and she's still a mom. And she may be at school and still a mom. And she may be at the store and be a mom. And she may be at a game and be a mom. But then there's a time when she's 100% mom. And she sits down with her kids, gets them together, and reads them a book for 30 minutes. What is she doing? 100% mom work. Now, now listen, listen to the statement real carefully. The soul winner, we should go soul winning some of the time, all of the time. And we should, be, we, we, we should go soul winning some of the time, all of the time, and all of the time, some of the time. We should go soul winning some of the time, all of the time. That means all the time. You're soul winning. You're soul winning. All 24 hours a day, you'll take five minutes here and five minutes here and 10 minutes here and pass out a track here and talk to this person here and, and encourage this person here and lift that person there and, and, and give them a gospel track here and, and, uh, and pray for somebody here. What are you doing? You're soul winning all the time while you're at work. Hey, while you're at work, you can be a soul winner and have a, have a conversation with a coworker while you're working. Uh, when you're at the grocery store, you can be a soul winner. Take a couple seconds and hand somebody a gospel track. And, and while you're on the bus, you can be a soul winner and give somebody a gospel track and talk to them while you're sitting on the bus with them. And while you're at school and locker break, you can... You can talk to one of your friends about Jesus Christ. You can be a soul winner some of the time, all the time. But then we ought to be a soul winner all of the time, some of the time. That means sometimes take a block of time where you do nothing, but this is what I'm doing. Saturday morning from 10 to 12, I'm going soul winning. I'm not eating. I'm not driving around. I'm not running errands. I'm not trying to look busy. I'm not going to stop and get a coffee. For two hours, I'm going to do nothing but tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Um, uh, 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 tonight, let me give you a few ideas here, uh, a few pointers about being a soul winner. Okay, I think I have nine things. Number one, number one, it will only happen on purpose. It'll only happen on purpose. It'll only happen on purpose, okay? What does that mean? It's not natural to be a soul winner. It's not natural to be a soul winner. You're not naturally just going to do it. You're going to have to decide, I'm going to be a soul winner in 2020. I'm going to surrender and give in to God in 2020. I'm going to be a soul winner. I'm going to tell somebody how to get out of hell. I'm going to make it my duty and my job. That's going to be ingrained in me and who I am and what I am. Um, uh, you, you, you don't have a burden? Well, go get a burden. We'll talk about it here in a minute. Uh, but uh, it begins on purpose. You're not just going to, it's not just going to, just like anything else, it doesn't just happen. You have to decide, that's what I want, and go after it. You, know, you want to have a certain career? You didn't just say in high school, well, someday I want to become a, uh, I want to become a doctor someday. And then 10 years later, you woke up and said, oh, I'm a doctor today. No, you're playing for it. 
You, you studied for it, and you went to college for it, and you paid the price for it, and you, and you got around other doctors, and you put yourself in the right positions. Why? You worked for it, and you made a plan because you decided that's what you're going to be. Do you want to be a soul winner? Then you've got to decide, I'm going to be a soul winner. That's what I'm going to do with my life. Um, okay? Number two, it begins with a burden. It begins with a burden. Um, it's so funny. Uh, lately, you know, I, I wish I could take everybody in the church and take you with me for one month and work with me at nights at the funeral home for one month. I wish I could, everybody here could go with me for one month. It would change your entire life. It would change your life. They're not just a bunch of old people dying. At just about any given time, half the people that are at the funeral home are my age or younger. It's a serious thing. I was thinking, you think about a lot of things when you work at a funeral home. Uh, and uh, of course, we just work on call a couple hours here and there, but but boy, your mind really gets, gets thinking about things. Um, you know, we, 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 we tend, this is what we do. This is what we do. We take the littlest things. My dad said something the other day. He's going to kill me if he knows I said this. He's almost 70. He's 67, I think. And my dad said the other day, I, I was talking about some, 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 some older people and, um, that have... Uh, yeah, don't, don't take this wrong. Uh, but as you get older, sometimes your, 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 your feet, you know, nails get thick. And it's harder to clip them, you know, bend over. And, you know, they turn real yellow. And, you know, older people's feet usually aren't real cute. You know what I mean? And, uh, and uh, so I was talking to my dad about some older feet that I'd seen lately. And my dad said this. He was just as serious as could be. He said, you know, he said, I don't have that problem. He said, I have really good-looking feet. <laughs> I was like, wow, wow, Dad, you're deep. And he said, no, no. He said, really, I do. He said, I mean, my nails aren't real thick, and they're not turning yellow, and I don't have bunions all over or corns on my feet. He said, really, I, for 70 years old, I got pretty decent-looking feet. And, 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 you know, he does, if I don't say so myself, you know. And uh, that's wonderful. I'm glad you got nice-looking feet. But, but the, the, think about it. Hold on a second. When he dies, nobody's going to remember him and say, man, you know one thing I remember about old Joe Clark? It's a nice feat. We go down, and what do we do? Girls go down and get their nails done and get a manicure. And, and, uh, and, and subconsciously, in the back of their mind, they're saying, when people see me, they're always going to say, boy, her, her nails are always so pretty. Her nails were always done. That's nice. I'm glad you have your nails done. Nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. But let me tell you something. You're not going to go down in history being the girl that had her nails done. You go and get a haircut and you look in the mirror and go, Whoo. I mean, I have this thing every Sunday morning. I get dressed. I get dressed. I look in the mirror and go, Whoo, man, you are good looking. Mm. And uh, I said, man, you are a good looking fella. Uh, boy, but you know what? When you get a haircut and you think you look nice and you look at nobody's going to say and remember, boy, he always had a nice groomed hair. The things that we pride ourselves in never, ever matter. The most famous People in the world, when they die, they're dead. And rarely are they ever even mentioned, remembered, 
or talked about again. How famous is George Washington? His picture's on the dollar bill. And how often do you hold a conversation about how great he was? We think nothing of it. Why? He's gone and in the past. Everything that we pride ourselves in, people are not going to say when you die, his car was always clean. They're not going to say when you and I die, boy, he always had his, his grass was always trimmed just right. None of that matters. You know what's going to matter? Did you get anybody out of hell? When you stand before God, God is not going to say, wow, your makeup was always perfect. None of that's going to matter. He's going to know, what did you do for the cause of Christ? I sent my son to die for you and to pay the price for the whole world, and I commanded you to preach the gospel to every creature. Now tell me, uh, give an account of your stewardship. What did you do with that? Um, um, Take your Bibles and go to Lamentations. Lamentations. It's right after the book of Jeremiah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, then Lamentations, chapter number 3. Lamentations, chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3, and look at verse number 51. This is Jeremiah sitting up on, on a hill overlooking Jerusalem after it's been, uh, everyone was taken captive and the, the, the place had been absolutely destroyed. Look at verse number 51. This is what he said. He said, mine eye affecteth my heart because of all the daughters of my city. Mine eye affecteth my heart. You know, our eye ought to affect our heart. If we would take time to look at things, our eye would affect our heart. If we would take time to see the masses of people in the stores, our eye would affect our heart. If we take time to drive through neighborhoods and see house after house after house after house after house, our eye would affect our heart. Um, Go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 3. I wrote down the wrong verse. But it's still a good verse. It ain't the verse I was looking for. <laughs> well, he, uh, let's go on to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. I hate it when I write down the wrong verse. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Matthew 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Uh, he saw the multitude. You know, if we want our eye to affect our heart, we ought to get around people and see them and let that burden us and get, get to our heart. Uh, don't turn to it. Acts chapter 17. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the whole city was given wholly to idolatry. Is, is, is it, uh, does it affect us when we drive? Does it bother you when you go by a church that you know does not have the truth and the parking lot is packed? Does it bother you when you drive by a Catholic church and it's packed out? 
or, or, or the Greek Orthodox Church and it's packed out and, you, and they're, they're baptizing the, uh, the dead and they're doing things that are just anti-God and anti-scriptural and they don't even have the truth and yet people are flocking to it. Does it bother us? Does it affect our heart? I said the first place, we've got to do it on purpose. Number two, we've got to have a burden for the lost. Number three, next of all, number three. Number three, every morning, think about the day you got saved. You know, if we would remember when we got saved, it may keep us from going off the deep end into sin, and it might also keep us excited about telling somebody else about salvation. Every morning, get up and just say, God, thank you that I'm saved today. I'm glad that I'm saved. I don't think, I think we underestimate what hell really is. If we really believed in hell and we saw hell for what it was, we would be shouting for joy day in and day out for the rest of our lives, thanking God we escaped hell. Boy, I tell you, every day you get up and thank God you're saved. Think back of that day that you trusted Christ and how you were lost and without God and on your way to hell in one accident, one heart attack. One, one uh, aneurysm break loose in your brain. One blood clot. One problem. One gunshot. And you'd spend eternity in hell. Stop and thank God you're saved. Number three. Number four. Every morning pray and ask God to bring somebody by your path that needs Christ. Every day, if we start off every day and say, okay, Lord, today, would you bring somebody across my path that I can lead to Christ today? Bring me somebody I can witness to. Do you know what you're going to do all day long? You're going to be looking for them. All day long, you're going to be looking. I mean, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be uh, 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 driving along and, uh, and somebody's on the side of the road changing a flat tire and you have an extra 10 minutes and you're going to say, wait a minute. Maybe that's him. You're going to pull over and help him. Or you're going to be at the, uh, at the grocery store waiting in line and the cashier is taking forever, which is yourself these days, but the cashier is taking forever. You turn around and there's somebody right behind you. Hey, maybe that's the one. Maybe that's the one. Or you're walking out of the store and somebody rolls down the window and says, hey, can I ask you for directions somewhere? And you go, ah, maybe that's the one. Maybe that's the one. Or you're on the bus and you sit down on the bus and somebody comes on the bus and sits down by you. Hey, maybe that's the one. Maybe that's the one. Or you're at school and you're at your locker and somebody comes over to your locker and starts talking to you and nobody else is around you. Wait a minute. Maybe that's the one. You're going to look all day for somebody thinking that that might be the one that you're supposed to lead to Christ. Number five, be prepared to lead somebody to Christ. Be prepared. I would like to know how many Christians here carry tracks. Everywhere you go. I fill the track rack. Can I tell you one of the biggest heartbreaks is I come in and the track rack doesn't need filling. Monday morning, you come in and track rack just like it was the day before. Thursday, you come in. The track rack doesn't need filling. The, the, the truth is, the track racks ought to be empty every Monday morning and every Thursday morning. Because as we leave this place, we ought to go by there and everybody ought to reach up and grab a handful. Restock what you used the week before. Do you know, do you know why they're not empty? We're not using them. 
And I don't think we're being soul-minded and soul-winners if we don't even carry a gospel track. That's a great way to open the door for conversation. Hey, let me give you something to read. They can look at it. They could say, what is this? They could say, oh, you go to church? Or, they, or you could just say, I want to invite you to our church. You go to church anywhere? Great way to start a conversation. And if nothing else, they'll put it in their pocket and take it home and look at it later. Are you prepared to win somebody to Christ? Do you carry gospel tracts? We ought to have gospel tracts in our pocket. We ought to have gospel tracts in your car. You ought to have gospel tracts everywhere you are. There ought to be some gospel tracts there where you are prepared to share the gospel with somebody. Do you know the plan of salvation? Everybody at Aurora Baptist Church ought to know how to win somebody to Christ and be able to do so in the drop of a hat. Do you know how to win somebody to Christ? Man, let me ask you this. Let me, let me just ask you this. In 2019, okay, I'm asking this to everybody. I'm asking this to the people that have been here for two months. I'm asking this for people that have been a Christian for 30 years. I'm asking you this. How many people did you lead to Christ in 2019? How many people, you've been saved, let's say you've been saved for five years, 10 years, whatever. You've been saved for a while. How many people this past year in 300 and, uh, was it 365, that what it is? Or 356? 65, 56, 52? How many days during a year? 365, I had it right, didn't I? Okay. And uh, uh, <laughs> my name is Bob. Uh, uh, but uh, 365 days. How many people in an entire year did you yourself, as a child of God, as a, a person whom the Holy Spirit dwells, a person who has been given the ministry of reconciliation, the one who God has commanded us to preach the gospel to every creature, how many people did you lead to Christ this past year? To a preacher, I read my Bible every day, didn't ask you that. How many people did you lead to Christ? So what I'm saying is we're not soul winners. It's not on our mind all the time. Do you have a New Testament that you carry with you? You know, I, uh, I, I've gotten sold with Troy a couple of times. And uh, I, have, I have tracks. And a couple of times we've led people to Christ. And I get there and start talking to somebody. And, and I'm like, ah! And Troy hands me his New Testament. I like that. He carries it. He carries it. Are we, are we prepared? Do you know the plan of salvation? If I were to ask, hand you a Bible right now and say, lead somebody to Christ. A visitor came in, they came down. Can I hand you a Bible and say, hey, take a minute, lead them to Christ. Could you do it? Could you do it? See, what I'm saying is we, 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 we're not prepared to win. Hey, are you prayed up? Are you prayed up for soul winning? Are you close to the Lord? Have you been walking with God? Are we ready to win a soul to Christ? Number six. When you meet somebody and you're witnessing to somebody, try to associate them with somebody dear to you. So you knock on the door and you start witnessing somebody uh, or you, you meet them at a bus stop or, you, or wherever, try to identify them with somebody that you know. Think about it and say, what if this was my dad? This could be my mom right here on her way to hell. And, uh, and it is somebody's mom. 
I mean, would you want somebody, if your child was lost and your child was going to burn in eternity in the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and eternal torments, would you want somebody to tell your child how to be saved? Then tell somebody else's child how to be saved. Because they're somebody's kid. And for all you know, they may open the door covered in tattoos and big and bad and mean, and yet they have a godly mom somewhere on her knees praying for them to get saved. Associate them with somebody that's close to you. Number seven, learn something about them when you're talking to them. Get emotionally involved with them. Ask them a prayer request. Learn their heartache. Dan and Michelle, they got to say they've been coming here in the uh, last few weeks and uh, three weeks in a row now they've come. And when I first met Dan, he opened the door and almost immediately started crying. And he said, you don't know what's going on in my life. I said, well, step outside and tell me. He came out and he laid out a burden. Sent me a text message later that night saying, pray for me for thus and so tomorrow. Learn a little bit about them so you can identify with them. Let them know you care about them. Number eight, decide to be a soul winner. Decide to do it. Be disciplined enough, be a disciple, a disciplined one, enough that you are going to be a soul winner, not just go soul winning, though I think that's a part of it, but be a soul winner. Make me a challenge for 2020. I think, I, I, would, I think everybody here ought to take this challenge. Every person here ought to take this challenge. In 2020, you decide, I'm going to win one person to Christ every week this next year. One person. Just decide before the week is over, before Sunday morning, I am going to have led one person to Christ. I'm going to look for them. I'm going to search for them. I'm going to find them. I'm going to, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going, listen, I've got to find them. There's been many a Saturday night after choir that I said, I haven't led nobody to Christ yet this week. And I've gone out knocking doors or looked for people at the store or people walking down the street. So I've got to find somebody. Why? Because it's my goal. I want to win one person to Christ because if I let that go and I lose that fervor and I'm not winning people to Christ, it may not be long and I want nothing to do with the things of God because I've lost it. I've lost my zeal. My fire for the listen, decide to be faithful as a Christian. Are we Christians or are we not? That's the question. Are we a Christian or are we not a Christian? This is what, it's like being a cook and never cooking. It's like being a baker and never baking. It's like being a mechanic and never working on a vehicle. It's like being a plumber but never fixing a sink. Or being a Christian and never winning a soul. That's what we are. Are we Christians or are we not? Because if we are, God said, let your light so shine. You are the salt of the earth. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Hey, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Be a witness unto me everywhere you go. He go over and over and over, tells us that our job, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So for a Christian, let's do our job and be a Christian. Number nine, the more you go, the more you're going to want to go. The more you go, you ever notice the more you eat, the more hungrier you get? The more you eat, the more you want food. That's just the way it works. And, uh, you know, the, the more I, I never go soul winning, that after I get started, 
where I want to stop. I just want to keep going. I just want to keep going. There's something about it. When you win that first person of Christ, it's addicting. It's like, no, yeah, wow, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Wow, it's awesome. You want to go get another one. But when you quit feeding that desire and you stop winning, winning people and witnessing to people, you lose it. Till pretty soon, you don't even have a hunger for it anymore. You don't even have a desire for it anymore because it's so far in the past. Boy, we had a hunger and thirst to win people to Christ. I love watching new converts. Um, um, the man that got saved and baptized this morning, uh, Sione, he said, after he got, he said, I'm telling my wife, next week she's coming, her and the kids are all getting saved and baptized. Now, I know, I know he's not saying he's going to put a gun in the head and force them. What he's saying is, this is the place to go. They're going to get saved. He's excited about telling them. He told me again before he left. He said, I want to get home. And I'm telling my wife that she got to come and get this baptized. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that, why? Because that's the a, that's a first thing on your mind. Oh, Dan got saved. And, and uh, I mean, he's so covered in tattoos. Look, somebody dipped him in ink, you know. And uh, uh, you know what he's doing? He carries tracks around. He's been handing them to his friends. He asked me if I'd go see one of his buddies. He said, I don't know how to talk to him, but I think if you talk to him, we can get him to come. See, that's the where. But wait a minute. He's only been saved for a, a, you know, a couple of months. How about you've been saved for a couple of decades? What happened? Number nine, you will see fruit if you stay at it. This is what we do. We go soul winning one time and say, well, I didn't see any fruit. What's the point? We give up. That's not when you see fruit. You don't see fruit from going one time. You see fruit from being faithful and faithful and faithful and faithful and faithful and faithful. The greatest churches in the world, these large churches in the world, these great big churches that we all want to say, wow, what a big church. You know how they grow? One person a week. Thought about that. Jack Hiles said, uh, the largest Sunday school in the world, running over 20,000 people every single Sunday for, for decades. He said, how did we grow so big? He said, it was two and a half people a week is how we got here. Little by little. Little by little. Just be faithful at what you do. Faithful, faithful, faithful. I couldn't believe it. Dan and Michelle. I, I, I hadn't even met Michelle. I've been trying to meet her, but she, she was always unavailable. And, uh, and uh, led Dan to Christ. I couldn't get him here, couldn't get him in church. I, I thought he might be here tonight, but I couldn't get him in here for nothing. And, and I checked on him week after week after week after week and trying and trying and trying. And finally, he came. He finally came and led him to Christ. And, and then last Sunday, led Michelle to Christ. Today, I took him to lunch. You know what he said to me? I get in the book of the five to thrive and, and talk to him a little bit about growing and, and grace and the importance of that and, and so on. And, and uh, he said this. He said, preacher, the truth is I say this. If you weren't such a pain in my rear, we wouldn't be here right now. He said, I meant that in a good way because you wouldn't leave me alone. And now I'm thankful. You'll see fruit. I, I never forget it. Mountain View McDonald's. I remember it. There they were. I, I can show you which table. Sione and his wife and I think three kids were all sitting at. There they are. I went over there and gave them a track, talked to them, and invited them to church. They said they'd come. Never showed up. Checked on them several times. Pretty soon I couldn't, just couldn't get a hold of them and whatever. And it was over. 
A year later, he calls me. Do you remember me? He gave me his name and said, McDonald's, I know exactly who you are. He said, I want to go to church. It's time. Came this morning, got saved, got baptized. I mean, I mean, he was texting me several times, even the late last night, saying that we're going to be ready in the morning. First thing this morning, I don't know, seven, something in the morning, he said, preacher, we're up and we're ready. I mean, he was, he wanted to come. You'll see, you'll see fruit if you stay at it. If you stay at it. The lady that came to, uh, and sat back here, got saved and baptized this morning. Um, uh, 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 es Eskela. Eskela? Eskela? Something like that. Eskela, I think is how you say her name. And she, uh, uh, Troy and I knocked on their door and trying to get them to come. And, and that was five, six weeks ago. And finally, the little boy came for the first time and brought grandma. Grandma got saved and baptized. I'm just saying, you'll see fruit. It'll take time, but be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. I was at camp one day, and I got a phone call. Guy got on the phone, and he said, I don't know if you remember me, and he gave me his name. He said, I was a teenager at Bible Baptist Church in Fairbanks. He's only a couple years younger than me. We, I, was, I was only a teenager, too. And I was running a van picking up other teenagers. He gave me his name. He had only come for maybe a month and a half or two months, and he ended up moving. He said, you led me to Christ, took me to church, and taught me some things in those few weeks. He said, today I'm a youth pastor down in California, and I want to say thank you. I'm just saying, listen, the stories like that, but these stories don't come sometimes till years later. Be faithful. Be faithful. The problem I see at Aurora Baptist Church is we're not soul winners. We're not soul winners. I, 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 let me say this kindly. I'm disappointed in many of you. I'm disappointed in many of you for not being a soul winner. For not being on fire for God. For not being a soul winner Saturday morning. For not doing your part. Listen, we got the truth. If we're going to be what we ought to be as a church, then we've got to do it. We, that's the, that is the number one job that God gave us. And if we don't do his job, then why are we here? He didn't put us here to paint our nails and do our hair and drive a car and, and watch, a, uh, uh, watch your favorite TV show. We're here to win somebody to Christ and to make a difference. Let's bow our heads together here tonight, please. Our heads are bowed.